We are starting a new series here at Chalmers called The Seven Habits of Truly Joyful People, or God Joy. And as I talk to people in coffee shops, on the street, at school, even in churches, one of the number one, the number one thing that people are looking for, more than truth, more than success, more than knowledge, is joy. Now, we often don't use that word. We usually use the word happiness. I just want to be happy. I just want my kids to be happy. And happiness and joy are closely linked. Some people would say that they are the same. But the way that we use the words tends to be a little bit different. Happiness often can happen easily. We see a cute picture of a puppy on our Facebook page and we smile and we feel happiness. But happiness is also fragile. It doesn't last. You continue to scroll down and you hear a story that's a sad story and your happiness is gone. And so when people talk about wanting to be happy, I don't think that they actually want to just be happy. I think rather they're looking for something more, something deeper, something that's less fragile, this idea of joy. Now, joy and and the distinction between happiness and joy, I think can best be understood through this definition that I found on a website about psychologies, and it says this, joy and happiness are, are wonderful feelings to experience. In other words, I hope that you feel joy and happiness, but they are very different. Joy is more consistent and is cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and is based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. In other words, happiness is what happens to you, right? Someone gives you a gift and you might feel happy. Somebody hits you, that happiness may be gone. It's externally driven. But joy is what happens on the inside. It's internal. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. I thought that was a really interesting definition. And so over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at this question, tackling this idea of how do we get joy in our lives. And as a Christian, I want to tell you my bias, put it right on the table here, all the cards on the table. I believe that those answers, who you are, how you are, why you are, are ultimately and best discovered in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be looking at Seven habits or character traits of people who are truly happy in their lives. They just so happen to be be habits and character traits that that the Bible talks a lot about. And so today we're going to start with the first one, which is being present. In our culture, this is probably one of the hardest things to do. Being present. We are so quick to be looking at the future or looking at the past. We are easily distracted by past decisions that we've made. Did I make the right decision? Should I have made a better decision? Or looking at our future, 
What's this week going to look like? What groceries do I need to pick up on the way home from church? I know some of you are writing that list right now. (laughs) How about this one? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and seen this? Two people who are obviously on a date, but they're not talking to each other. In fact, they're not even looking at each other. They're on their phones, probably not to each other either. Oh yeah, the date's going fine. How are you doing? And if you're like me, you want to go up and just smack the guy in the back of the head and say, hey, you have a beautiful woman here. Start talking to her. Get to know her. Come on. We often have trouble. I know I'm speaking on my own for myself here. I often have trouble being present, living in today. And there are two temptations either way. Some of us have trouble because we tend to live in the past, and some of us have trouble because we tend to live in the future. And frankly, there's a bit of an age divide there. Those of us who have more experience in life tend to live in the past. Those of us who have less experience in life tend to live in the future, and we'll talk about that and some of the challenges uh, in the next few minutes. First, let's talk about living in the past and the challenges of living in the past. Again, those who may have some more experience in life, you may have a temptation to live in the past. Now, hear me on this. I'm not talking about reminiscing. There's nothing wrong with reminiscing, remembering the past. There's also absolutely nothing wrong with learning from the past. Those are great ways to embrace past experiences, to celebrate, to remember, to reminisce, to learn from a past failure or a past success. Those are good things. But one of the challenges is when we live in the past, when we live and dwell in the past. When we start thinking to ourselves, wasn't it so much better when? Or, I wish I was just 20 years younger and then I could. There's a few things that happen here. Number one, when you live in the past, you become rigid and cynical. You become rigid and cynical. I like to say you become a grumpy old man. And I'm speaking to myself here. When you start saying, oh, those were the good old days. Do you remember those good old days? When milk came in bottles and was delivered right to your house. Do you remember the good old days? When people weren't in such a hurry. Do you remember those good old days? I can appreciate that. I was thinking back... My big grumpy old man issue is technology. And as I said before, we're doing this whole like embracing technology thing, Chalmers, for the next couple months. Because some of you love technology. I don't love technology. I struggle with technology because I've become a grumpy old man and technology moves way too fast for me these days. And there's always these new social media platforms and stuff that I need to learn and, and figure out how to use. And I just go, oh, It's just going too fast for me. And so I've given up. I use some technology, but 
more the most part, I've just given up on it and been like, oh, remember when? Remember when you had to use dial-up internet and you'd have all these beep, 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 beep? It's like, it was like doing a fax machine, right? Do you remember those sounds? Some of you don't, I know. Do you remember when, it, when you wanted to like message with someone on the computer? It was ICQ and you had those little flowers and like you had to type in their phone number digits and then like you'd get like messages back every few days. Technology has advanced way too fast for some of us. And that's me. <laughs> and frankly, we can sometimes become grumpy old people. Even when you're in the middle of life. And we become rigid. We say, well, I don't want to try something new. Or we become cynical and we say, well, I wish it was more like the past. The second thing that happens, second temptation, is that we can be missing out on new opportunities. When you live in the past, and sometimes when we live in the past, it means that we focus on things that happened in the past. Mistakes that we've made. Is there a time that you've hurt someone or someone hurt you in your past? It, might, it doesn't have to be like too long in the past. But there's a thing you've held on to that hurt. And you become cynical and you become bitter. And it's hurting you right now. And you're not willing to forgive because, well, they don't deserve your forgiveness, right? You know, how could they? I'm still mad. But because we're living back then, we are missing out on the new opportunities to do good and be good and love now. We also miss out on what God might want to do in our lives today. You know, there's a story in the Bible. There was a people called the Israelites. And the Israelites were God's people. And they are what we now call the Jewish people. And the Israelites... Uh, with a series of events, they became enslaved in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And they cried out to God, and God sent them a leader, a savior, Moses, to lead them out of Egypt and into what they called the, the promised land. And so Moses uh, convinces Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. This is the part of the Bible where there's the ten plagues, where there is the splitting of the Red Sea, the, all that Charlton Heston stuff that you may have seen on the movies. That's kind of where we're talking about. And Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea, through the Dead Sea, and now is in this place in a desert of the Negev, which they call the wilderness. And in the wilderness... Very shortly after, probably like a few weeks after they've been in slavery, the Israelites start to complain and grumble against Moses and his brother Aaron. And this is what they say. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Isn't it interesting how quickly we can forget what happened? When we live in the past, we often put on rose-colored glasses, don't we? Everything was better in the past. But if we could take a time machine and go into the past... 
It wasn't better, it was just different. The past had challenges of its own. The Israelites, they were in slavery. But they remembered having meat. My guess is they probably didn't have very much meat in Egypt as slaves. But they remember this because they're hungry in the desert. They start to grumble. They start to complain. There's a songwriter named Sarah Groves, and she wrote a song. And as I was thinking about this this week, her song came to my mind. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I will read it for you. It was called Painting Pictures of Egypt, and this is what it says. Again, Sarah Groves, I don't want to leave here. I don't want to stay. It feels like pinching to me either way. And the places I long for the most are the places where I've been. They are calling out to me like a long-lost friend. It's not about losing faith. It's not about trust. It's all about comfort when you move so much. And the places I was wasn't perfect, but I had found a way to live. And it wasn't milk or honey, but then neither is this. I've been painting pictures of Egypt, leaving out what it lacks. And the future seems so hard, and I want to go back. But the places they used to fit me cannot hold the things I've learned. Those roads were closed off to me while my back was turned. You see, Sarah Groves understood this wrestling with I liked it in the past, and I'm not totally comfortable where I am now. But when I look at the past, I look at it with these rose-colored glasses, and I think, man, it seems so much nicer. But this is what God says to the Israelites. In Isaiah 43, he starts by reminding them that he is the same God that led them out of Egypt. He says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they laid there, never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. He says, I was the one who led you out of Egypt. Remember that. Remember my faithfulness. But he doesn't let them stay there. Instead, he says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is telling them, don't live in the past, but be part of what I'm doing here and now. Now, if you know the story of the Israelites, they don't listen They decide to stay grumpy and solemn in the wilderness and they get to stay there for a very, very, very long time. And they miss out. Just like us, when the Israelites were living in the past, they began grumbling and complaining. They became cynical and they missed out on opportunities that God had for them. If you're living in the past today, I want to ask you, plead with you, to let the past go. Celebrate it if you need to, but to live for today. Now, for the rest of us, we have another challenge. We may not live in the past. We may not have a whole lot of past to live in, but we may be living in the future. We focus not on today, but on tomorrow. 
And again, I want to say, this is not about planning or saving or dreaming. Those are all good things. It's good to have a plan of what you might do in the next few days. It's good to have a dream of what you'd love to be doing, but not to pine for those, not to focus on those, but to enjoy today. Because if we focus on the future too much, then we miss out on what God's doing in our lives today. One of the challenges is we can become ungrateful. We can become ungrateful about what's happening in our lives today. You know, in 10 years from now, when I'm successful, then I'm going to have this car. And I forget to be thankful for the vehicle I have now. In 20 years from now, when my kids are out of the house, then I'm going to go and do this traveling. But we forget to be thankful for the time that we have with our kids now. It's closely linked we may start waiting our lives away. Waiting our lives away. I, I need to tell you, when I was a little bit younger, this was my biggest hang-up. I would do it consistently. And, and I had wise people say to me, Brian, you're wishing your life away. And I didn't listen. I would look ahead and say, well, when I'm in university, then I'm going to have all that freedom. I'll move out of my parents' house. I'll have freedom. It'll be fantastic. When I get married, then life will be perfect. When I have kids, then I will truly have made it. When I own a house, that will be the benchmark that I'm going to be focused on. When my kids are teenagers, then then they'll be really interesting and I'll be able to do so much more stuff with them. (laughs) When I'm retired and my kids are out of the house, then my wife and I can really begin to live. And you can spend your entire life waiting and hoping and dreaming for the next stage instead of enjoying and embracing where you are in life today. And I appreciate those laughs because those laughs come from people who say, man, my kids grew up way too fast. And they do. Third thing that's a major temptation when we live in the future is that we can carry the worries of the future in our lives. We can carry the worries of the future in our lives. What will it look like? Will I have enough money to retire? What if my loved one gets sick? What if my kids can't find a job? What if, and we can carry those burdens and those worries in our lives. In fact, Jesus had a lot to say about that. In one of his talks, he says these profound words. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Then he says these profound words. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We worry and worry and worry, and yet doctors and scientists tell us 
that that anxious stress actually has a negative effect on our lives. Jesus told it before them. He continues on, he says, And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? And so, if we are not to live in the past, if we are not to live in the future, how do we live in today? How do we live presently? Being present with who, who we have, with where we are. We can still celebrate the past. That's a good thing. We can still anticipate the future. That's a good thing. But we are to live in today. How do we do that? So many ways. Let me share two of them with you. Number one, seek grace, not perfection. Seek grace, not perfection. So often in our lives, we can want to be perfect. We can want to do everything perfectly. We want our families to be perfect. We want our jobs to be perfect. We want our house to be perfect. We want everything to be perfect. And I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. Not a bit. And yet, when we are seeking perfection, we're striving for something that's actually out of our control. The Bible doesn't tell us to be seeking perfection. The Bible tells us to be seeking God's grace. God wants to give you grace for all the mistakes that you've made, for the junk in your life. God's grace can cover all over all those things. His love for you is why we have grace. God loved us so much that he came to us in Jesus and died on the cross so that we could have grace in our lives. And he gives us all the grace we need. Sometimes, often, we don't give ourselves very much grace. And to live in today, I believe that we need to give ourselves grace and allow God's grace to filter into our lives so that we can recognize, I've made mistakes But with God's grace, they are forgiven. I have plans for the future, but with God's grace, I will go day by day. God says in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Another translation says, Cease striving and know that I am God. I think that's a really powerful reminder for all of us 
You are not God. I am not God. Thank God for that. Because we are not God, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have all our balls up in the air. We don't have to be focused on so many different things. We can live for today, trusting God's grace for tomorrow. The second thing that I think each and every one of us can do to live presently is to practice thankfulness. To practice thankfulness. Look around and be thankful for what you have and where you are. Here at Chalmers, we've been doing that for the last year. We, we kind of committed together to be praying to God and saying, God, help us to be more thankful. We've been practicing that on Sunday mornings here at Chalmers, where we take that time to thank God. But I hope and I pray that each of us takes time each day to be thankful for the people in our lives, for the situations in our lives, even if they're not perfect. When we are thankful, we can be present with where we are. When we're striving for the future or when we're dwelling on the past, we're not thankful. So start each day thanking God for a few things. Whatever they may be, they may not be the same thing every day. But take two minutes when you wake up and just thank God for a few things. And see how that changes your life each day. Now just to go back for a second to to that definition. Joy comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. This is kind of what we're going to be looking at for the next seven weeks. I want to let you know something. Again, putting the cards on the table. I believe wholeheartedly that the answer of who you are, why you are, and how you are is answered in the person of Jesus Christ. That God made you for a purpose, that God loves you, and when we understand who God has made us to be, and we find peace in that, we can have true joy. And Jesus tells us who God has made us to be. Jesus illuminates and and reveals God's plan for our lives in his teaching and in his life. And it's interesting because in John 15, Jesus says these, these words, I have loved you even as a father loved me. Now remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, my teachings, my life, You remain in my love just as I obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things, my teachings, my life, so that you may be filled with joy. Yes, that your joy will overflow. Jesus wants to fill us with his joy, but he understands that we can only experience his joy when we know that who we are, why we are, and how we are is answered in him. And so that's going to be part of what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And I hope that you're able to track with us, to be here, to be part of those conversations. Just before we end, my wife had an idea as she was uh, coming to church this morning, and she was praying about this idea of joy. 
And she said, Brian, I wonder whether you should share this this morning. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. And what she wanted to share was the question of, of joy. If we want the joy of God in our lives, one of the problems that we sometimes face is that we have other things in its way. We have other things in its place in our lives. And so sometimes we have to trade whatever it is that we're dwelling on for God's joy. Maybe that's bitterness that you're harboring against someone. It's very difficult to be harboring bitterness and have experienced God's joy. And so over the next few weeks, I want to ask you to be praying for God to remove that bitterness. Maybe it's, it's a hope or a dream or an aspiration that never came true and you're in, in a bit of a depression from that. You can't hold on to that and experience God's joy at the same time. It doesn't work. Maybe you're, you're grieving something. Whatever it is, I believe God wants you to just offer that to him and to receive his joy instead. So I'm going to pray. If there's anything that comes to your heart, I just pray that you would just release that to give that to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your love and for your grace. We want to thank you that you want us to experience joy, that you made us to experience joy found in you. And Lord, if there's something in our lives that is hindering us from experiencing your joy, Lord, I pray that you would help us to surrender that, that you would bring that to our minds, to our hearts, that we would release that to you right now. We can do that by simply saying in our minds, in in the quiet of our hearts, Jesus, I release whatever it is into your hands. I don't want to carry it anymore. Take it. Lord, I want your peace and I want your joy in my life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.